Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Abby Nats, the Black and True Blokes, Tuna Fat, with me, Kev Dillon and Lee Cadman. Now, as we all know, next week is Mental Health Awareness Week. And what a week we've got. We've got some big things coming up next week. So please keep your eyes on radio, TV, social media. We're going to be hitting it through double barrels from next week. But today, what are we talking about, Lee? We're talking about today, how do I handle life when I'm feeling at my lowest? When I feel like I've been knocked out and beaten up by life, what do I do? How do I get get up from that point? That's quite a topic. I mean, like something is um, not simple, but like uh, what you've just gone through and we didn't know if this was going to go on today. Do you want to tell them, Lee, briefly? Yeah, it's not. In truth, Kevin, <laughs> like it, it, it's a bigger issue than it, or it's it's potentially a bigger issue than what it actually is. I think it. Um, so basically, my daughter was at school and unfortunately she, she's fed through a gastro through her stomach and, and that came out. Or she pulled it out is a better way uh, of describing it. But uh, that, obviously that has a knock-on effect for the rest of your day. You know, I had to go and pick her up from school. We've had to rush up to Birmingham uh, Children's Hospital to get it put back in. And again, it sounds dramatic, but it actually it's not. It's not that dramatic. It's not that dramatic of a, a procedure, but it does take specialists to do it. Um, but yeah, oh, she's all good now and it's all back in and, and she's ready to go again. I mean, like with you, you and Nick, it's like water off a duck's back, isn't it? But potentially it could be a big thing. But what, what was the specialist or the doctor um, run to rescue again? What's that, sorry? What's the name of the doctor who, you know, superstar who stayed overworked? I knew you were going to ask me that, Kevin. I can't remember yeah. his name. Oh, absolutely terrible. I can't remember his name. But you know what? He, he absolutely respect to him because he... He stayed after his shift and waited us for for turn up, which is a forty five minute drive for us in in this. And he waited there to just to do this procedure for us. Um, so so Khaled didn't have to wait around any longer. So yeah, but sorry, he's on. He kept put me on the spot, so I knew I won't remember his name then. What are you doing to me? It's, it's great, you know, because those things I mean to you, it's water off the duck's back. It's like you know, whether it's uh, my daughter's come back with a sprained ankle. You know, when when you're a parent, it, it, it throws you off your off your stride, doesn't it? Never mind not being able to feed, have the medicine. But it's wonderful these these superstars, you know, in these professions that will stay overtime to do it. It's absolutely fantastic, and um, that's the kind of dedication you get within the NHS. You know that that's not a one off in in my experience. Uh, they they work tirelessly and they put it overtiming pretty much constantly. To, to get us all, all back to health. I think sometimes we can forget that fact. You know, um, they don't they do not do this for the money. It's not a well-paid job in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, absolute respect to anyone who works for the NHS and puts that extra in. We're going to be having Glenn come on either next week or soon, and he's going to tell us about how it's been working for the NHS. As we all know, we've had Dr. Singh on. It's one of my all-time favourite episodes. And Glenn's going to be coming on to talk about his experiences. I believe he works for a sort of hospital 
which was we all know is Den, Den Road from us. But like as we're saying today, you know, some days when you're when you're on your back and you feel like you know you can't give any more. I mean, recently I've been died with, uh, diagnosed with something called um, fibromyalgia, which in the old days was called ME. And what it basically is is um, fatigue and chronic pain syndrome. And uh, I'm just learning how to deal with it now. And some days, you know, I'm battered. I'm, I feel broken. And, you know, you just got to deal with it. And funny enough, um, we had someone on, Josh Alexander, one of Aaron's friends, who come on. And when I got diagnosed with it, I, I absolutely knew nothing about the condition. But luckily, you know, as, as the world works, we'd done a podcast. So I phoned him up and I was having a, I was picking his brains, what I could do better and what, you know. So once again, by doing this podcast, he was giving me tips. And basically, sometimes it's boom or bust. You boom, as in you're up the club all the time, your family life, you're running around like a headless chicken, and you give everything, and then your body just gives up on you. So it's learning sometimes, listen to your body, and if you need to lie down, have a lie down. If you can't do a class, don't do a class. And it's, you know, it's easier said than done, listen to your body, but often we listen to everyone else's body before we listen to our own. That's right. And it's very rare that it's one thing that um, kind of takes you off your game and, and, and throws you to that point where, where you're in despair. It's usually a build-up of 120 different things, you know, that you, you're carrying on carrying on as you go in. So, it, yeah, it's, you know, you've got to learn to release all that, haven't you, Kev? A therapist once said it's like collecting stamps. It's not one stamp will tip it over, but once the stamp book is full, you just throw the book against the wall. And that could be anything. It's like your baby's got a cold and it's kept you up all night or you just run down or whatever it is. It's normally the simplest thing. They'll tip the scale, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, that's definitely right. I, I found that throughout, throughout, my, throughout my life. You know, you you think you're dealing with everything, you think you're doing great, and then all of a sudden something that's it's usually really stupid and wouldn't and something that wouldn't necessarily bother you on any other day. But that one thing just uh, collapses your world at that time. Um, I mean, when but, Dan Brown, I mean, when Dan Browning came on the show, when he, uh, first time he came on, and he was saying, it, it's something like, you order your fish and chips, or your sausage and chips, and you drop your sausage. A lot of the times you go, who gives a monkey, you know, it's one pound. But on that day, dropping your sausage <laughs> tips the balance, and it's the end of the world. Yeah, it's right. It's exactly right. Yeah, as I say, any other day it probably wouldn't have bothered you or failed you. But the, at that point, it's it's it is like the end of the world, isn't it? It's like it's all caving in. It's like the world's conspiring against you at that point. So yeah, you've, but but this this you I think you've got to deal with that situation before it arises. So now, after years of kind of dealing with my mental health, I've learnt trigger points now, and I can kind of feel when I'm getting a bit more stressed, a bit more anxious. And it's then applying strategies that you know that work for you to then, you know, unload that bag before you get we, to that tipping point. We were talking about that the other day, our support group possibly, and it's doing the exercises mentally when you're well. So practicing doing your relaxation, practicing doing your visualization, hypnosis, meditation, what it is when you're well. Because often it's like, um, if I don't practice doing press-ups, when you when you book to go and have a fight, you're going, all right, let's smash out 100. And I think, well, I haven't done press-ups in a year. 
how am I going to manage to talk? But if I'm always ticking over doing press up talk, if my fundamental boxing technique is always all right, then I can just step it up a gear. When you're going from couch to Mount Everest, it's very difficult. So it's keeping the basics right, as we do for training, but mental training. That's it, but that is really hard to do, isn't it, Kev? As you, I know you've been working on that uh, for yourself just recently, haven't you? Got, kind of trying to keep your, your head in a positive place and um, putting strategies in place that will help you in the future um, as well as now. But it is really hard to keep that up, you know, because it, when you're feeling good, that kind of stuff just goes by the wayside because, you know, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, oh, I can miss doing this this exercise for this day. It's not going to hurt me. But again, if you, if, it only makes your mind stronger if you keep doing it. Well, it's like how many of my friends are uh, physiotherapists and people go, I'll go and see Sam when my back's bad. But then when it's not bad, I don't go and see him. Instead of like practicing those exercises that a physio teacher to stop your shoulder collapsing. But when we're feeling good, as you say, you go, Never mind. But we should be practicing these little uh, flexibilities, these little uh, tricks to keep us young. But as you say, when you're feeling great, you think, what's the point? But then we rely on it when we're poorly. Yeah. But it's mad you wouldn't do that with a dentist, would you? Or with your eyesight. You'd go and get it checked yearly because, you know, you, it's what you're meant to do. You're meant to go and get see if anything's changed. So, you know, in, in certain aspects of life, you're always doing that, aren't you? You're always looking after that that before the inevitable comes or before anything happens. So we do need to do that more with mental health. And I think sometimes it's where, like, addicts, because uh, they, they stick to their, um, like, the 12-step programme and stuff like that. Once they've got into recovery, they are con- constantly working on themselves so sometimes when someone's got into recovery, they uh, they have mechanisms to keep them strong. But Joe Bloggs, who necessarily hasn't had problems or hasn't admitted having problems, it becomes a whole new ball game to them. Yeah, that's right. It does. It does, and it it is just about keeping on top of it, isn't it? You know, it's it's like you say. If you keep doing those push-ups, number one, it's going to keep making you stronger. But it, it also means you haven't got the same mountain to climb at the end of it. You know, it, it's exactly right, Kev. I mean, like when you've hit rock bottom, what have um, what have been some of your keys to uh, getting better? Um, number one, usually when I hit rock, rock bottom, I'm doing absolutely everything wrong. So my diet's wrong, I'm drinking way too much and I'm not exercising. And I know... I've got better as the years have gone on to recognise those signs before they come in. So I will, I'll stop drinking, um, I'll eat better, and I'll start exercising. Uh, and and to me, the exercise to me is always the key. But I have to watch the boundary with it because I know I can also become obsessive with exercising. And it uh, and like um, like today, for instance, where we've had to rush off to get my daughter up to Birmingham Children's. If that was previous and I was exercising the way I was, that would have absolutely gutted me that I wouldn't have been able to get to the gym. So, again, I think it's a balanced thing there. But definitely, definitely just um, living a healthy, healthier life is the big key for me. Because you nailed something on the head then. A lot of fitness people don't admit this, but I've met so many people over the years. And I was one of them to a degree. But I know some people, if 
they have to run at five o'clock in the morning. They have to do this. And it becomes absolutely not, it's so rigid. And if like you go like, oh, well, I only did two miles today, or um, the baby's poorly, or a car's broke down. If you can't do it, they go almost into despair. And it's the whole day is ruined. And that has a, a, a cascading thing on the whole week. Whereas we think of med- uh, exercise being medicine, and it is in essence, but if you go too far on the other end, i.e. I haven't had enough calories, or I've had over right amount of calories, or I've had too many calories for amount of exercise, it can be self-harming, can't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, 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 this is definitely what I go through, Kev. You know, and I, I'm training again now, and I still feel it now. Um, basically, at the time that I was um, I was caught by the school about my daughter's tube coming out, I was in the gym, and I and it absolutely gutted me that I had to stop halfway through an exercise to to go, you know, and that'll play on me. So I'll well, know after this I'll go and train, and it does become that it's 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 a um, healthier for me obsession than drinking, not eating right, and not exercising. But it also goes the other way. But I will say I've got better at kind of letting that go because. Ultimately, with, with my situation now, I never know what's going to happen. I, we could be sitting here now, and my wife called me, and we're we're off up the hospital. You know, um, so you you have to learn to let go of those things. But I still I find I still find it hard now. So I'll train and I'll train in um, in in a hoodie, tracksuit, and a hat on. Or if I'm running, I'll run in a sweatsuit. And it's all if I don't do that, it doesn't feel like I've actually trained. So I have to make, I have to have the sweat pouring out of me to feel like I've I've got in there and done something. It, but you can see how on the flip side when um, when body dysmorphia kicks in and I know a lot of people, I had it in my youth and I was throwing up all the time and I could walk past a mirror I could walk past a mirror five times and see someone different every time I was too skinny oh no I've got fat oh no it was horrible but you can see how people I was never calorie or um, you know, my, I didn't evolve around how many calories I was putting into my body. I just wouldn't eat. But you can see how it can be so restricting to people. Um, I've had, um, my, I've weighed out my sausage, I've weighed out my pasta, I've weighed out the sauce. And you can see it becomes a fixation and an obsession. And I think when we obsess over anything, that's when it goes into grey waters. It does. It does. You know, you, you can overdo anything in life, can't you? you? You drink too much water and eventually that's not good for you. You know, you do anything in life and, it, and you know, to, a, to an obsessive degree. And it, I don't think it is good. And, um, you know, there's there's definitely boxers in this world that, that do it and they do it as a job and they'll and then they'll, they'll have their fight and then they'll, like the Ricky Atten, he'll go away and he'll put too much weight on. But I don't think that's a bad thing in some essence, you know, that, that they're doing that because he's then letting his hair down and going on. Maybe he took, he, maybe again he takes those two to extremes. He's either super unhumanly fit or really overweight. Maybe that those extremes. But I don't think after you've had a fight or after you've won your race or after you've uh, done a marathon, having a week of let up and a week of a, um, a few beers and a... And, um, a few takeaways is going to ever hurt you. And I think that's what, because a lot of us who do stuff as a hobby, as well, you've got to enjoy the hobby. And it's like when you have someone turn up at the club and they've never boxed. They don't even know if they want to box. And they go, well, uh, I'd smoke 20 a day. I have a takeaway. 
but don't worry, I'm going to pack it all in tomorrow. I go, why? Gradually, as you get fitter, you will naturally do less of the bad stuff because you think, well, I've just done an hour circuit, I've done a run, so if I do have a match, it's an eight point, it's counterbalanced. But when you try and pack everything in to start off with, you resent it before you, <clears throat> you resent it before you've actually started enjoying and seeing the benefits of it. In a sense, I agree with you, Kev, but I'm that person who just packs everything in. Like, I'll just mm. stop and then... Uh, but that's just the way uh, my personality is. We've, we've spoken about this before. Like, now, I am, now I'm training again and eating right. I couldn't go for the... I couldn't go to the pub with you on a Saturday and have two pints because that two pints would turn into 20 pints yeah. and then I'll be drinking every day again. So for me, it's, right, I'm doing this and I'll stop doing it and that's it. I'll stop it. I'll stop all those bad habits and get into good habits. But for some people, that isn't, that's definitely not going to work. You know, it's, it's each to their own, isn't it? But me, like when I hit rock bottom, I've learned over the years, uh, I will go and see someone. And a lot of time, uh, I think I'm going about one thing and it's something completely different. I feel like I'm doing too much of the club or I'm doing too much or I'm losing my temper or I'm drinking too much or whatever it is. And then I go and it's, it's amazing what you can find out about yourself. I mean, I love uh, NLP and hip therapy and it's worked wonders for me over the last almost 20 years of going. And sometimes it's just releasing that valve, letting the stress off. And sometimes I don't even know why I'm stressed. Or I don't know why I'm acting in ways. And they go, you're acting this way to keep you safe. Or you're doing this to cover this up. Or, and it's amazing. And I I found uh, hypnotherapy, and I'd say NLP, turning switches on or turning them off, or learning, as you said, triggers. And I think that's one good thing about getting older. And one good thing of spending a lot of time in therapy, you start being aware of your triggers. And you go in. I'm going to bite it. Why? Because I'm doing too much or I feel like I'm giving too much. And once you're aware of that, then you can have a hot talk conversation with someone instead of it getting to that point where you lose you lose your edge and go, hang on, can we just have a word? Because And then often when you have a word, the other person went, I was really unaware, I'm sorry. And I think once you can have that communication, and I think that, by doing this, um, by doing this and just being in tune with my feelings more and being more open with my feelings. And sometimes when I talk and you'll go, well, actually, Kev, I, and I go, you know what, Kev, Lee, Craig, Aaron, or the guest has got a great way of looking at this. Yeah, you're definitely right, Kev. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really realise my triggers or even explore them until we started doing this podcast. And I, I think... Oh, I'll get this wrong. I think it was Ian Hines. We did um, kind of a mini course with him that once, and he mentioned it on there. And then it really made me think. Okay, what 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 do I feel at that point? Uh, even when I was doing counselling, um, the the counsellor would ask me, "How do you feel?" And I couldn't really explain to her how I feel because I've never really talked about feelings. So I could tell you logic within my mind. So she'd go, how do you feel? I'd go, stressed. She goes, yeah, but what does that feel like? Because stress is not a feeling as such. It doesn't, you know, it's... It, uh, um, and I find that really hard to explain how I feel. Um, but this... Uh, and recognising triggers, because you have to know how you feel to recognise those triggers, don't you? Um, so, yeah, that was a big turning point doing that. 
and thinking it over and then coming on the podcast and having Ian Hines kind of explain there will be something there. It might be really subtle, but there will be something there that where you feel like you're gonna you're going towards that downward slope and it'll be it's usually the same thing over again and you'll feel that. If you can recognise that, you stand a chance then of, of turning the tide. And we have to work with different people like and it was great to it's Nick Davis, Alexander, it's uh, Ian Hoynes, and it's like, like I, I get a dicky belly, my stomach, like if one of the lads is boxing, I, I won't eat, I won't eat because I'm going to the toilet, I feel sick, my stomach's in knots, and then I start finding like if I'm about to have a panic attack, I, may, I feel like I'm going to fall forwards, and then what I have to do now is I have to carry some cold water with me. And I have to prove to myself, like, whenever I'm doing a podcast or anything like that, an interview, I have my water. And I have to prove to myself that I can swallow. And just by doing that, I'm going, no, you can breathe, you can swallow. And there's certain things I've done throughout my my life that just, it allows me to realise, hang on, you're having a wobble here. Or um, I, I feel my, if, I, if I'm going to have a row, um, I feel my legs shake. It's the adrenaline, the adrenaline dump. It's my legs are shaking. It's like I'm gonna have a row. And what that happens is, I know my legs are shaking, so I can either bolt, run, or I can eat hard and not get eat. But it's learning what those things are because before my legs would shake, and I think I coward. My legs shaking, so I'm gonna bolt. But it wasn't. It was I'm ready to either fly or fight. And by talking to these clever people, these experts, which me and you aren't, these experts, I've gone, well, and all we've ever said, we've, we're experienced, so we can put their knowledge into our practice. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right, uh, Kev. And it, it's good that you can now recognise that, though, isn't it? Because I, I suppose it was a double-edged sword at that time as well. You think, oh, I'm a coward here, I'm a coward. But... Um, I also know I need to fight. You know, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? And it, and it kind of exacerbates that situation. So, it's you know, it's lot, good that you now recognise it. And a lot of us hate that feeling of feeling like a coward. Because you think it's frightening. The only difference between a coward and a hero is they both have the same amount of fear, but the hero does it anyway. But no one likes to feel like a coward, be it a public speaking, asking someone out on a night, you know, on a night out, fighting. And no one likes that feeling of being a coward. And to me, having that, sorry, sorry, Kev. There's there's two things to me. There's two. That's it's it's feeling like being in a coward and feeling like you're helpless. And I think those two emotions are some of the worst. You know, there's been plenty of times when when um, the little one's been ill in hospital. I've got doctors and nurses running around like blue ass flies trying to trying to help her and i'm just standing there going well what the hell you know i want to help i want to do something i want to help but you are you're helpless at that point and i think that that lines up with that it gives you the kind say the same kind of feeling as that um feeling like you're a coward the the feeling of being helpless and i I guarantee everyone who's listening to this now has had that sensation be it the mom, dad, child, whatever. And it's the worst feeling in the world when someone you love more than yourself is going through the mill and you are, you are, you're powerless to do anything. At least with an argument, a fight, a, uh, a big lion runs in the Lions Boxing Club, you could feel like you had a part in it. You could sacrifice yourself. You could get everyone out of the way. You could 
But when you're flaccid, when you're impotent to do anything, that's the worst feeling in the world, isn't it? Yeah, without doubt, it's a horrible, absolutely horrible feeling. But again, it's one of those you've got to kind of let go of, haven't you? Because it it, it could definitely eat away at you. Um, so you've got to kind of okay. There is going to be situations in your life where you you can't, you know, there's there's physically nothing you can do. There is situations in life where you don't really have options, um, and you you just have to kind of see how the ball rolls. What's that old saying? Um, Accept the things you can change. You know, I can change by doing exercise. I can, uh, I'm not drinking by going to therapy. Accept the things I can't change. My eyesight, callous condition. And knowing the bloody difference. And so many times we hang ourselves on the notions of things we can't change. Well, if I could see, I'd drive. If I could see, I'd have box. If I could, and you're thinking, no matter how much you rob, kill, butcher, genocide, no matter what you do, you can't change that. And you can send yourself mad by things you have no power over. All you can do is change the things you can. And, you know, Feel down about the things that you can't, but you can't change them. And just by realizing that notion can change your outlook on the world. That's definitely right, Quiv. I think that's absolutely brilliant advice. Um, absolutely spot on. Spot on. That's what you've got to do. You and you've got to let go of those things you can't change. As you say, you're not you're not going to be able to change your sight. You're not. We're not going to. There's no miracle cure for Calo. You know. Um, and you have to just live every day as as uh, make every day as happy as possible. I mean, I know my brother. He he always thought, you know, I'm 37, I'm 38, and he was convinced I'd have my old side back at 16, 18, 21, 25. And he's always looking at these things and they're repairing the optic nerve. He lives in a greater hope for it happening. Whereas I've got to that stage now. Would it really make that much difference? Yes, it'd be brilliant to watch Jasmine in a play. I'm too old, too fat now to box. You know, well, I've got to that stage where it'd be nice, don't get me wrong, but it ain't really going to impact me that much. You know what I mean? But some people live for the hope. Once again, he's going through the same scenario as we are on about. When you love someone more than you love yourself, you, you want them to be better. You want them to help, and you will send yourself do lally praying, wishing, you know, for that person. Whereas sometimes the person is thinking, I've done all right this so far. So, I think, you know. I, I think sometimes they don't realise how amazing your life is as well, Kev. They're kind of just focusing on that. Well, you can't see, so that's the bad side. Yeah. I definitely sometimes feel that when people are on the outside looking at it and it's our situation that, um, oh, look at that, isn't it a shame? Actually... My daughter, yeah, she's been through some stuff, and 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 as as a result of that, the whole family has. But you know what? She's happy. <laughs> what, more, what more do we want for, want for her in life? What more do I want for my other two kids? Just to be happy. So you know what? She's she's already she's already kind of cracked life. Um, she's well, happy. So, she's smiley. Well, I've met so many people, so many people from the club who have been physically able, everything. You know, had money, they've been miserable. You know what I mean? So, as you said, like, what what else could we ask for our loved ones than to be loved and to be happy? Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's um, it's 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 simple, isn't it? Really, it's absolutely when you when you think about it, boil it down to that. 
it's quite simple and it's a lot more if you boil it down to that it's a lot simpler to achieve as well um and, and i so, think we've got to look at that more and sometimes we can't change the hands that we dealt all we can do is play the best game that we can yeah that's exactly right and i often i often think now like with my daughter i'd never want her to suffer that's obvious but I often think, would I change anything at this point? Um, and and bar the pain that she's have to suffer, the answer is probably no now. Um, you know, it's in terms of us as a family and my daughter, we wouldn't be who we are now if we hadn't been through that experience. And I think every experience, whether it's a good experience or a dreadful experience, as long as you can survive it, you come out with a, a different outlook on life. I'd say some of the greatest teachers I've had in my life, I've had brilliant teachers like my dad and Big John through boxing, and I've had some absolutely awful teachers with education and through life, but I've learned just as much from both of them. I've learned how to be a great coach, but I've learned from bad teachers how not to do it. When I've seen how they made me struggle through life and how they treated me, it's made me a better teacher and a better person. So I would never bring anyone through that. So every experience, no matter how great or dreadful, is an experience and it's how we how we use it for our own good. That's it, how you how we how you react. And that goes with everything in life really. It's 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 never really about the situation you're in or what someone said or what's it's or you know, it's never really about that. It's how you react to it. Um you can react in a positive way or a negative way. Um, I'll find that through life. You can, you know, there's a lot of things I'll, I'm very, I'll, I'll very much let go of a lot of things because I know ultimately it's, it's going to burn me up and probably not the person who's done something. They'll probably forgot about it in seconds. So all it's going to do is burn my time up and my energy and, and my positive nature. So you just got to, you know, let it go, let it be. Don't overthink it because there's a good chance they won't be. Well, how many people you see having like Facebook wars and Instagram wars and Twitter wars, and it's they say something, oh, you big ear, ugly git, and I have to get back it up. That guy who said it has walked off, he's had a cup of coffee, he's gone to the gym, and he's even forgot he said it. And sometimes you've got to realize that is it worth your energy fighting a battle that doesn't really matter? And like being being bitter is like um, you've offended me. And me being bitter to you is like me drinking bleach and expecting you to die from it. Yeah, but I know you struggle with this, don't you, Kev? Because you, you, you. I don't want to go into what we talk about in the group, but I know you. Because it's us two, I kind of can. And you've said it, yeah. but you've said before that that you'll go home thinking about someone, what someone said, and devise every answer possible for the next day, ready to tell them. And yeah. how many times it worked out that the, the way you thought? Well, you do. You go, oh, Lee, he said this. And, so next time I'm going to eat it, or I'm going to say this, I'm going to do this. And, do this. and you go through every scenario, every physical possibility in the whole universe. And I walk past him and he goes, all right, Kev, how's Jasmine? I go, you bastard. The, the one thing I did, but I thought about it more than he has. And after time, Lee hasn't done anything wrong. He's just said something because I was in that frame of mind, I have taken it personally. And sometimes, you, instead of just going at the time, Lee, you know, um, you said you were going to come and do the support group. You were going to come and out. And you go, 
careful of But I think sometimes what happens is we expect people to react how we how we would react. And a lot of times we've got to realize people have got their own things going on in life. People have got their own world. So don't take it personal if people don't react to things how you would. And sometimes, this is why I'm doing my meditation again now and um, something I've practiced over the years and I lie in bed and I say like, uh, Kate's lying next to me. My, I know all the noises of the house. I'm going to count myself back from 10 to 1. Then I'm going to these strands and I go, let's release all the stresses. And I have to remind myself, there is nothing else I can do in the day. It's bedtime. It doesn't matter if uh, Osmer's got sparring tomorrow or if Paige is doing this or if so-and-so has a made weight. There is nothing I can do at that period. So try and relax. And it's just giving myself a break. And I'm trying to do that every night or every other night. And I don't beat myself up if I haven't. But it's giving myself that bit of time at the day going, there is nothing else I can do. I think everyone can learn a lot from that, Kev, because how many people who listen to this podcast, I can guarantee majority will get to bed at night, be absolutely cream-crackered, knackered. All they want to do is sleep. They'll get in bed and their mind starts at 300 miles an hour, throwing out, oh, I've got to do this. Have have I been here? Have I done that? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? You know, your mind just, when you want to relax sometimes, your mind just bombards you with, with with crap that you can't do anything about at that point. So I think that's great. Stop, came back down, um, and think, and, and try and let those thoughts leave your head. Another bit of advice I'd give people as well don't have your mobile phone in your bedroom <clears throat> because me, I'm nosy, naturally nosy. And if I can do that, there is nothing else I can do in the day. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, what is it? Is it an email? Is it a text message? Is it a like? Is it a dislike? Is it... Leave your phone by yourself a five-pound alarm clock or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And just if you need your alarm clock to go off, don't use your phone. Because when I've been on tour with one of the coaches, I'm lying in bed and it's his it's phone had flash or it's a WhatsApp a text message, a, a buy and sell Kings Winford. Does anyone want to buy a used? Nappy, <laughs> you know, and if you can, no, I don't care. But your human curiosity, beep, look, beep, get out of your bedroom because that is your time for sleep. I always remember a great thing. Uh, the only thing to come without, um, the only thing to come without um, instructions is a bed. Yes, the hardest thing to bloody use. <laughs> It's right, isn't it? It's right. Uh, I think everyone's been in that situation as well, where where they just can't sleep or they're, they're waking up, and we do need better mechanisms to to kind of get through that. And maybe that's another conversation, Kev. Um, we can we can do a show on better sleeping. Let's get an expert in on that. Well, I think if we can use the bedroom for what it's used for, and I won't go too deep into that. We use what it's used for. And I don't think what's happened with people at the moment who are working from home, um, your bedroom has become your office. And I think we have so many people I've talked to. Back in the day, you'd have a house phone and people wouldn't phone you after nine o'clock because that's your family time. 
But now that you can have emails, and text message, and WhatsApp at any time. And I know people, when they go on holiday, on their family holiday, when we sat there on a bench, check the emails, because we are expected to work 24 hours a day. And maybe don't allow it into your resting time, because there's face facts. Yeah, you might have to do a bit more work in the morning, but at least you're having a more peaceful night. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I ended up having two phones in the end because what one for business and one for personal because I could switch the business one off because it, it is 24-7, you know, uh, and every company that I've worked for, although they won't tell you they expect you to answer that call or, or that email, why are they sending it at that time if they know you're not going to answer it? So they do expect it. So that you, but you've got it. You've got to have that time, that break, that breakaway to spend with your family or do something you enjoy and and yeah, and it can always wait to tomorrow. What's really that urgent that you do as a job? You know, unless you're part of the emergency services, which you know they work shifts. Unless you're part of that, what's really that urgent that can't wait till the next day? Well, whenever we go on holiday, I never take my phone with me. We use Kate's phone as a video camera, you know, or video or photos of the family because. Your camera on your phone so much better than, you know, you go and buy a digital camera now and your phone one's better. But we turn it on airplane mode and I don't even take mine because if my house burnt down, what am I going to do, baby? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think yeah. whatever it is, it can wait for me to go off my holiday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went through, through a stage where, I was working away a lot and it used to terrify me because obviously they're little and at home and I'd have my phone by me constantly just because I never knew when I was going to get that call. Um, and I realised then how, how dangerous that was for me in terms of my mental health and whatever else. Uh, so, so in the end, I left the job where I you know, wasn't travelling as much because I knew it would catch up with me eventually. You know, you can't, you can't be in a hotel somewhere worrying and having your phone by your side and not sleeping at all because you don't know whether it's going to ring um and then having to bomb bomb back down the country or something so you you know i think again you've got to sometimes you've got to look at these things and and make sensible decisions and kev will know kev will tell you now i'll turn my phone off quite often now um but in truth i'll only only yeah that's it but i'll (laughs) only do that actually if my family's around me i wouldn't do that if um if anyone was out but you do, because, you need you know, that time away from it. Because what you're saying, like when the hotel and all that, well, what your body's doing is you're on high alert. You're on high alert because catastrophizing, but you've had to catastrophize because it's your daughter you've been. But when you're lying there and the whole time you're thinking, how about, how about, how about. So what you've got then is adrenaline pulsing through your body just in case, all three in the morning. Code red, code red, jump in the car, drive 6,000 miles an hour to get there. But your body doesn't know that it might not have to do that. All your body is getting ready for is at any stage to do that. And that's brain... right. That's right. Sorry. It was learning off. It was basically I was learning off past experience. It happened quite a lot by that point. So, so basically I was preparing for it before it happened or try you know or trying to be as alert as possible before it happened but it's just no good for you being like that you know you can't i suppose in a sense you've either got to remove that out of the picture or you you've got to find a way of dealing with it while you're there because you can't you can't function 
you know, you can't function on no sleep and you can't function on high, high ex- um, anxiety and stress because it'll just catch up with you. And the first thing to go is you burn out because if, if you're always, you know, stop on a boxer, you turn up on the night and, um, yeah, what time you're on? Um, I'm boxing 12. So all night I've got that adrenaline pumping from my veins. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get on there. Just before you go on, you go, he just left. He's buggered off. What do I do with that adrenaline then? You know what I mean? It's all right if I go and box. It beats me up. I lose in the first, second, and first round. All right. But when I've got myself into that adrenaline, I'm going to box you. Yeah, and I've had all night. I'm, I'm there. And he goes, he's buggered off. I go home and I can't sleep because what do I do with this adrenaline? And it's the same when you're, you're going through those emotions. What do I do with it? And then have a bad night's sleep. And then uh, the next day, nothing's happened, thank God. But I'm still ready for it to happen. And eventually I burn out. Yeah, that's it. And that, that was the way I was going. I was going there pretty pretty quick as well with it, with everything else that was going on in life and lack of sleep. Uh, and it just... And one of the worst things I think is, is, is actually lack of sleep because it makes everything 10 times worse when you wake up. You know, you don't feel good. You don't feel happy your, your head's kind of spinning uh, you 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 think about the lack of sleep you've had which again is counterproductive you know but i've learned now like so i still don't sleep great now um i sleep better than i did but not great now and i've learned now like the amount of times i used to wake up and go oh i'm awake now oh my god i've only got three hours to go before or before this so i'm gonna have to try and get some sleep and, and you're kind of trying to force force yourself to sleep now i'll just stop and go you know what i'm awake so all right uh, let's stick the tv on i watch the tv because i know i'm not going to be able to get back to sleep so what's the point in stressing over the hours sleep i'm missing well you know what i mean so i'll just relax now and go okay that, it is what it is hopefully i'll catch up tomorrow because that is the world's worst and you're going i've got five hours i've got four and a half hours i've got four all the way down and then you know the last hour, the last half an hour, bang. It's the deepest sleep ever. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, why didn't I just get out of bed? And that, yeah. I, I think everyone's gone through that, aren't we? But I'm the same now, Lee. What I always did was 10 hours, nine hours. But now I don't even look at my watch. I think, you know what? Mm-hmm. If I nod off, I nod off. If not, never mind. Yeah, that's it. That's, a, that's exactly my... Because you just stress yourself out thinking about that, don't you? You're just stressing yourself out thinking it. And you're definitely not going to sleep anymore because you're stressing about how many hours sleep you've got left. So, yeah, just kind of let it go. Get up, read a book, watch the TV. If you nod off again, you nod off. If you don't, then you know what? Hopefully you'll, you'll be that tired the next night that you'll sleep great. Well, that's once again with that meditation, whatever you call it, self-hypnosis, meditation, whatever you want, relaxation. But that's what I do. If I feel like I'm having one of them nights, I go, all right, then get yourself comfortable. And I talk to myself and I talk positive to myself. You know, you're a good bloke, you know, and you're calm, you're safe, and you've done everything you can. And, um, you know, I want you now to think about all the aches and pains and all the bad cells, and I just want you to flush it out. And I can literally feel my arms and my legs tingling, just going, let's just release it, release it. And everything I've released now, all the nasty, vile pollution I've put in there and all the badness, I, don't, I want you to fill it back up with, and I name some stuff, and I will say at the end, all right then, I want you to say thank you to your subconscious, and when you're ready, roll over, have a good night's sleep. If you don't have a good night's sleep, or 
have a good night's sleep. And if you have any ideas for the next day, bring it into one of your dreams or just bring it to you in a fault. So instead of just thinking about it now, oh, Lee, what we're going to do is talk about X, Y, and Z. It's when you're ready, tomorrow, pop into my head. Because what am I going to do with it now? If I remember it now, I'm going to fall asleep and forget it. So when you're in a better place tomorrow, spring into your mind. And I found it helping a lot better. How long has it took, took you to kind of be able to do that, Kev? Because, man, I'd, <laughs> like the, I've, we've done, I think it was Nick Nick Davis when he was on and we were, we were at the boxing club downstairs on the sofa and he was going through, okay, um, sit here now and kind of remove everything from your mind. And, it, and to me, as soon as someone says that to me, my mind goes, shit. And it just bombards me with stuff. So, you know, it, I suppose it's it's um, it's persistence with it, isn't it? What, what kind of gets you that point that you are able to do that? Uh, but I do find it hard to just stop and not, not think about anything. It's practice, so in it, Lee, once again with the push-ups. Even if you could just get yourself... Do you remember we did that thing where he... Um, he lit a candle. So it's like that, if everyone could see. So you light the candle, then you stare at it, and then when your peripheral vision goes goes blurred, you're just staring at the candle, then close your eyes. So what was it? Lima. I can't remember everything. But it's yeah. like, first of all, get yourself comfortable. So shoulders, everything's parallel, hand on top of legs, and then... So, okay, but do you find that as well when someone turns around and goes, right, sit here and get yourself comfortable? The first thing you want to do is itch your shoulder. Itch. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've got, yeah, yeah. You're like, <laughs> you know, you, oh, it's, it's, it's hard to do, we, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And what, what that, it's like your mind playing tricks on you, isn't it? It's like, um, I know I'm here, I know I'm here. Or, and sometimes what they all say is, go with it. Don't beat yourself up. Because I, I don't do the candle thing. I just literally, at the end of the day, I'm knackered anyway. I lie there, close my eyes. I get my breathing right. Deep up. My stomach comes out every time. And so when I'm relaxed, I go, all right then, Kev. My eyes are already closed. It's pitch black. I went, when I came down from 10 to 1, and I go, 10, doing well, nice and breathing, relaxing, and fill the blankets on you at 9. And, you know, I just talk myself down to number 1, so I'm nice and relaxed. I go, all right then. And then I talk to myself. It's taken me, I mean, I've been doing hypnosis with people since I was 20, I think, so 17 years. And now I do it on my own because they've given me the tools to do it on my own. And it might not be for everyone. Some people like yoga, some people like this. I think it's just something you work at. And some days, Lee, I'll be doing it and I'll go, all right, then empty your mind. Go, oh, a line of duty. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I find myself doing it and I go, you know what? Today's not the right day. You know what I mean? And sometimes yeah. it's, like, it's like when you're doing your GCSEs or your, your maths, uh, whatever it is, and you, you read it, 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 and nothing goes in. Other days you pick it up and it goes in. And I heard someone say once, just because you're busy doesn't mean you're pr- productive. Mm-hmm. So some days, this is what I'm trying to do it now when I'm not overwhelmed. Because sometimes, you know, when, um, when you're having a panic attack and you go, <laughs> I'm going to die, I'm going to die. All right, then remember what I said, breathe. Okay, I'm dying. I'm great. So it's getting those habits before I feel like I'm going to have a stroke. So now at the yeah. moment, I'm feeling pretty good in myself. I'm not overworked. I'm all right. So I'm doing it now for when I start to have a wobble. I'm stretching now 
before my hamstring goes. I'm trying to get flexible before the muscles start ripping. Uh, you, you mentioned I listened to a podcast actually yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, with um, Tyson Fury's trainer at the time for De- the first De- um, Deontay Wilder's fight. And he said, he said in his training, Tyson was basically telling everyone, look, in this fight, at some point, I'm going to get down. But what I'm going to do is stop still and get up at the count of eight. And he kept saying this to everyone, his sparring partners, everyone. And it, and he was even practising in his ring, going down and coming back up. And it wasn't that he thought he was going to lose or he thought it was going to go south. He just he just knew that, you know, he was in against a dangerous puncher. At some point, there's a good chance he was going to get clocked. And he wanted to be able to deal with that situation in... um in the way he dealt with it, he would get, you know, that that he'd be able to get back up. And the way he did it was just keep playing that over in his mind. Yeah, I might get down or or I'm going to get down, but I know what to do if I do go down. I know, you know what I mean? I know what time I've got to get back up. And it, I suppose keep replaying it in his mind is what actually brought him to get, get him back up. That's called visualisation. And some people will do that. Like uh, imagine yourself in a, t- in a cinema and, Players, you're walking down to the ring, you're fighting a southpaw, he's going to, and you, you visualize it, then rewind it, and he's had to pull around a bit. And some people, like, some people, like, with education, this is what just made him about this country. Education, everyone's supposed to be visual. Some people, you know, in education, we've got to realize some people are visual, some people are auditory, password for hearing, and kinesthetic, feeling. So within counselling, like within some self-help, some people have got to visualise it. Like uh, some some people, um, graphic designers, or they can walk into a house and go, not that wall through, have a stairway. You think you're good at it? I can't do that. My brain does not work. But some people, like Tyson Fury did, he visualised the fight. And I guarantee he visualised walking down to the ring. He visualised the shot he was going to hit him with, the shot he was going to get hit, and that worked for him. Some people have to have um, a spiel, talking, going over in the head. Some people have to feel it. You've got to realise what works for you. And unfortunately, maybe it's a worldwide problem, maybe it's just this country. We are just taught one way. And I think once we realise what works for us, putting yourself in the picture, putting yourself in the record, or putting yourself on the playground, and we've got to realise... What works for us? Because sometimes, and I heard this years ago, how seeing people, uh, visualise people, they talk. So um, I, I can't even think, my brain doesn't work like that. But like everything is seeing, seeing. Do you know what I mean? Like the seeing words. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't even think of any examples because I'm not like it. But like, um, I was like, like lightning. I can't, I can't think of an example. But sometimes you'll have like say, oh, uh, Craig, you're lovely. You're lovely. And because he's a feeling person, you go like, I broke my heart. You know, um, I, fe- I-, I shuddered to my bones. That's all feeling emotions or feeling words. And sometimes it'll be like, what's you're that, expressing, You're kind of expressing the way you learn through, through you're using words, aren't you, to express the way you learn. Yeah, but yeah, if you go like, uh, everything's feeling, I took it on the chin, it broke my heart, uh, you know, whereas someone will go like, um, 
he smashed it, he banged, he walloped it. That's more auditory, and where someone else would be saying, seeing things. And mm. sometimes you won't get along with someone, even though on paper you should be mates, but how they talk, you don't identify with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, Kev. It does. I know what you're trying to say. I'm not sure everyone else does. I've known Kev a long time now, so <laughs> we can excuse everyone else. <laughs> but it, 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 it's funny, though, like sometimes how we deal with it or how we will phrase it just won't gel with someone because how they have to learn it or how they would phrase it. On paper, you should be best mates, but for whatever reason, how you're talking just doesn't gel with our ideals. Yeah, and I think everyone's probably uh, been in a situation where they've just not liked that person, and it could be they don't like him because of the way the way they communicate. Um, it might not be, but it, it very much could be, couldn't it? Because usually there's no real logical reason. Sometimes you just don't, do you? You know, you just don't get on with that person when you should. But anyway, as as I always do, we've digressed from the actual name of the show. <laughs> as usual <laughs> but if you had to yeah. put something on, on uh, to give anyone some advice what would you say if they're a breaking point uh, seek, seek help and, and talk because uh, you'll only get better if you're doing those two things if you seek help and you talk to someone about it um, I think you know. I think we've we've got to realise that we can't handle everything on our own. We do have to unload this this baggage to keep keep going on. So really, just just whether you be a best friend, whether it be a phone call to Samaritan, someone you don't know at all, whether it be a doctor, just um, kind of kind of find help with it. Um, we're kind of both of us in a bit um, a more fortunate position now, aren't we, Kev? That we do recognise these triggers and. And um, hopefully we carry on doing that, and we can we can not get to that point again because uh, it is horrible. It is horrible feeling like you 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 you're lower than dirt and and trying to pull yourself up from that point. So, but the way we've done it really is through finding our triggers, and the way we've done that is through talking. And once again, we've got our support group tomorrow, every Wednesday, seven p.m. till nine p.m. With a short break at eight o'clock, around about eight o'clock, nothing's in stone, where we just stretch our legs. And sometimes by stretching our legs, a new conversation will start. Some people are rattle boxes like me, as you found out over our 102 episodes. Some people are a bit more slow to boil. And that little bit of a break can just open up the conversation. So if you'd like to attend, Lee, you want to tell them how to? Yep, so it's every Wednesday at the Lions Boxing Club, Ball Street, Briley Hill, DY53RA, and it's from 7 till 9pm. Uh, if you want to come along, just drop us an email at blackcountryblokes at gmail.com or go to any of our social media pages and message us. We'll, we'll get back to you. Also, we're doing Buy Us A Coffee. Where yes, we, we are. Donate uh, from a fiver up to whatever, they'll just go back into our groups and costs of running this. Also, is, sorry, Kev, that is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the BCB. But once again, you can find that on our Facebook and Twitter, can't you? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the usual subjects, social media. And last plug, 
if you'd like to get any of our merchandise, then go to our website. And that is www.theblackcountryblokes.co.uk. And all profits from that also go back into running the podcast, support groups, and any other ideas we, we have coming up. Because we've got a lot of big news coming up, haven't we, Kev, that we keep telling you about each week. It is happening. We just can't really announce anything yet. But next week will be the week that you'll hear a lot of it. So Fingers stay crossed. tuned. Stay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and once again, if people are interested in training for free, because I'm hearing so much, me and Lee and the rest of the guys are in so much about mental health, fitness, so the Lions Boxing Club, my home with the Black Country Blokes, are doing Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, 10.30 to 11.30 a.m., where people can come and train for free. And women only can train uh, 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Wednesdays and 11.30 to 12 p.m. on a Friday. So come, get mentally fit, get physically fit, come and have a rattle and be a part of some people. So I'm just going to leave you with that saying that I said earlier. Accept the things that you can change. <clears throat> Sorry, accept the things you can change. Understand the things you can't change and be aware of the difference. So until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tura a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta listen, listen. listen.